have a healthy baby. Nice. He just ate. He just ate. Nice like push. Jessica Schrader, 43 years old, first time mom to Lucas, and soon to be wife to his dad, Eddie. I was born here in California. I grew up in Jersey. Uh, we moved out there when I was 10. And then I came back out here when I was 30. And I met Erica a year ago. It actually was a little over a year ago now we met at the pool i didn't know who to strike up a conversation with i kind of gravitated towards you at the pool yeah we started talking at the pool i think i had my feet in the water so yeah oh yeah Yeah. you were so easy to talk to she's so easy to talk to that's why she does such a great podcast thank you thanks we we had a really good conversation and then you invited us to the vision board party oh yeah it was nice meeting you i felt like you were easy to talk to so did you want kids before you met Eddie? I think there were periods in my life where I, I always thought I wanted to get married, have a family. I met Eddie when I was 40. I think I had come to a place with myself that I was like, marriage might not ever happen. And, you know, having a family might not. Ever. I even visited the idea of possibly adopting on my own. Really? Yeah. Or even having a child on my own. Like I kind of thought about that for a minute. And then when I really sat with the reality of what that would look like, I was like, okay, that's probably not something I want to do. But then I was open to adoption. So I was like, okay, there's so many kids out there that need love. One caring parent and a stable home is better than no caring parents and no home, you know, kind of in the system. Obviously that never happened, but it is something that I thought about. So you've always wanted to be a parent? I think so. I think I did. And now that I'm a parent, I'm like, where's that that red undo button? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I love you, Lucas. I do. I love my baby. But sometimes (laughs) sometimes there are days that you want to undo everything. Well, you know, I ask because I have no desire to be a parent. I fantasize sometimes about like uh, having a relationship with my child, but way, way in the future. An adult, that's my child. Mm -hmm. And having that relationship be really special because we've like built on it through like years of me making sacrifices and whatever, which I think is the ultimate goal of parenting. Sending someone off into the world that you helped mold and like hoping that they make it and they do better than you did. They do better than us for sure. Beyond that fantasy, I don't have... The desire to be pregnant. I don't have the desire to raise a baby. So I'm wondering if your desire, is it the parenting in the future? Or was it, I want to feel, no, I, I want to go to through exper- the... I wanted to, I was like, I want to experience. I remember having this conversation with Eddie. I was like, I want to experience being a mother. Like, I want to know what it feels like to be pregnant, to birth my baby, to be present in all of those moments. And my pregnancy was amazing. And I would be pregnant a hundred times over if it was like what I experienced. Yes. But I hear every pregnancy is different. Every baby's different. Sure. Because my pregnancy was heaven. 
Wow. Like I looked cute in everything. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to suck my stomach in. I was like, oh, my cute. Friend. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I have high self-esteem. I thought I looked cute in everything. Oh, no, that's great. Good. Good. <laughs> the only, there were like a few things I experienced. Like there were a few days that I had indigestion or heartburn. A lot of people say it's because your baby has a lot of hair. And lo and behold, this guy was born with a full set of hair on his head yes (laughs) he really does have kind of like a rock star situation going on I know that there was a time in your life where you got pregnant before Mm -hmm. yeah I was pregnant six months into our new relationship oh (laughs) really yeah so you guys had just started dating and six months in you were pregnant yeah pull out game week or what or were you guys trying to have a baby? We weren't trying, but we weren't being careful. Okay. Yeah. So we were like, I think we were both kind of like, whatever happens, happens. And it happened. Wow. <laughs> this time we revisited that because I was like, I think we were dating already like a year, year and a half. He's like, no way. And then we were like figuring it out. And we we're like, holy shit. We were like dating six months and we were pregnant. Wow. But our relationship, I mean, even like meeting each other and everything is I'm going to say special. Like, mm. We had a lot of serendipitous moments and we just knew. They say, you know, like when you know, you know. And I always fantasized about that until it happened. And then I was like, this is what that means. Because it's like we both just, we knew. Oh, yeah. game over. This is it. I met him. Yes. This is happening. That's perfect. Yeah. Because you really need that kind of vibe when you're entering like a companionship where you're now responsible for somebody else's life? Oh, for sure. So the first time I was pregnant, I had a miscarriage. So a lot of women, like they, it's hard for them to recover from a a miscarriage. yeah, Um, Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And I didn't really experienced that thank god i really sat with everything happens for a reason and there was something you know maybe wrong with this pregnancy yeah and it was for the best although it was unexpected and not desired it's like okay everything happens for a reason and right do you think it would have just been poor timing you think i don't know that it would have necessary change maybe because actually maybe because we would have been during pandemic time and then we would have been in the house like, and be, isolation is a thing like yeah. for sure for moms especially with new babies like you do feel isolated from the world because you really don't do anything except hang out with your baby all day yeah <laughs> like that's kind of what you do yeah um so you guys had the miscarriage and then how soon after that did you try again I didn't know this until it happened to me, but it's almost like your body is giving, or your body is really giving birth without the baby, you know? So, yeah, what was that like? It was weird because I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. And I was very crampy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I was spotting, I think, a few days before that, and my midwife had suggested I go and get an ultrasound, see what was going on. And they couldn't find a heartbeat. The doctor had told me, more than likely, you're going to have a miscarriage. Like, I'm not finding a heartbeat. So that will probably happen within the next couple days. And I think that was, like, a Thursday or Friday. And he's like, let's see what happens over the weekend. And then I want to see you, like, on Monday to see where we're at. If it didn't happen on its own already, then I want to schedule a DNC. That's what Mm -hmm. they call it. It's like when they, 
I'm sure everybody knows they go in there and they kind of take care of stuff. And yeah. I was like, absolutely not. So then I immediately called my midwife and was like, well, will my body do that on its own? She's like, yeah, some women, it'll be, it might happen over the weekend and then it might take three weeks. What does that physically mean for me? And she's like, you might feel crampy for a month until your body decides it's time and then releases it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and you know, like it's uncomfortable. I mean, sure. It's so, but it happened that weekend and I felt crampy. Very interesting. Yeah. My mom had three of those before me. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I think it was three. Might've been two. It was two or three that my mom had before me. I've never really asked my mom what she went through, but she, you know, just explain that it was uh it was a lot of blood yeah and uh, was and a lot afterwards that's what i was saying so like no we weren't trying like immediately afterwards because it yeah. is it's very messy afterwards while your body's healing yeah like your body's healing but then like once things got back to normal then we were kind of just living life normally again it's like if it happens it happens if it doesn't but it wasn't for another two years yeah because we're together now almost three three years a little over three years now we weren't actively trying but because we weren't being careful we're basically trying you know yeah. what I mean? like you're basically trying so when yes. it wasn't happening i was like oh no it's not happening you know and then you get in your head and then i really had to meditate and to let it go because i found yeah. that like when i finally let things go even with like the idea of being married one day and having a family i was like this might not happen and that's okay because i have a beautiful life i have wonderful people in my circle i have a family that i love and they love me like i have a good life and once i started appreciating all the things in my life that i had and let go of this fantasy of having a partner and you know getting married one day is when i met eddie it was like within like five six months awesome that i finally sat with the idea of not being with anybody that yeah we came together it's almost like the universe orchestrates all of that so that you learn to kind of sit in your space for a second Mm -hmm. i feel like any single time in my life when i felt like unsatisfied with the state of affairs it's not until i settle with that that something else blooms Mm -hmm. where you make space for that new thing Mm -hmm. right because you're just i i don't know i don't know if it's just like you're subconsciously always in like i want that i want that i want that but you're really also sitting with what you don't have yeah You're like i want that because i don't have it so because yeah. you don't it's like you invite the don't having it's a form of self-sabotage yeah okay i'm gonna totally let that all go it's okay if i'm single for the rest of my life yeah. i have a great life yes yes and yes yes, yes. <laughs> that's wonderful and the same thing with the baby it wasn't until you know like it was like months before that i was like okay i need to let this go because i'm gonna be 43 soon and even with myself and with eddie like i obviously i had the conversation with myself first and i was like okay well once i hit 43 like that's it like yeah now i wanted like we got to be careful not to happen because i just feel like it's super for me anyways personally i was like i just feel like it's selfish for me to like want a baby after that because i feel like i'm already getting older you know Mm -hmm. and your energy changes like that's just a fact and we're pretty active people like i'm a pretty active person but yeah i can't hang like i used to like when i was in my 20s sure like. no 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 i mean i can't hang like i was in my 20s and i'm in my 30s so <laughs> i <laughs> i don't even really think i could ever hang in my 20s to be honest <laughs> but on one of the first occasions where you and i met you talked about how your experience becoming a mom in your 40s resulted in 
kind of like a negative experience with medical professionals about how triggered you were by the fact that science or people who work in science say that that's considered a geriatric pregnancy or that people should not because it's considered high risk is what you said. And then you said, how can you determine somebody's high risk just by the age of the person? Right. I was talking about just in general, women over 35 are considered high risk pregnancies Mm -hmm. off their age alone. I think it's ridiculous. It is. Uh, You know, I know a lot of mothers who were pregnant in their 40s. My grandma was one of them. One of my aunts also had my cousin when she was 41. Um, And one of uh, Ralph's goddaughter, um, her mom was 43 or 44. So maybe it was more popular than people. I I think so. I mean, especially now, I, I can't speak on actual statistics here, but I do know that women, at least the women in my circle, they were in their 20s, very career-driven, very driven to, like, be okay in their own financial standing or find the right partner before having a baby. So if I consider my own life and I consider the timeline that society says I have to have babies in, like, I got to go to college and then I got to get married and then I got to have a baby and I got to do that all before like 30. Yeah, before 30 for sure. My mom had me at 27 and I remember rolling into 27 and being like, what the fuck? (laughs) No way. No way I'm having a kid right now. Like it didn't seem like the right time. And not that any time is the right time, you know, like you're never fully ready for any experience. But what I'm saying is that if I were going to have a child at this point in my life, It's going to have to be like 10 years from now, which is exactly where you're at. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it sounds unreasonable at all. I think it's I think you're normalizing it for people and saying like, look, I still had this desire. And if I had the desire and my body is still equipped to do this, why Why the fuck would I not do it? Why not? I was adamant, like determined to have an at home birth, natural, unmedicated. And it made a lot of people uncomfortable. Well, I had been podcasting, I mean, I don't do the podcast, but listening to podcasts um, for a while, and I was on My Essential Birth, and they Mm -hmm. talk about unmedicated births, and you know how women have been doing it for centuries, it's just not, it's not very popular anymore, or it's not mainstream, at least not in the U.S. In other countries, it actually is. Mm -hmm. Less births are done at the hospital in other countries, and... I'm a little bit of a hippie, and I was like, I could totally do this. Like, I don't want to be medicated. I wanted to be present, and and that was the thing. Like, I wanted to experience being pregnant. I wanted to experience the physical giving birth. You know, mm-hmm. like being completely present. You wanted to feel all of the aspects of pregnancy. I really did, and birth. Mm-hmm. Like, I really wanted to. I was like, this is going to be my one. He's going to be my one and only. This is my chance to experience all of it. Right. So I just wanted to allow everything that was going to be to be that's awesome (laughs) was eddie concerned he was and he was not about it at first you know he's open yeah so he was like okay i was like well we're gonna interview someone i'm gonna have her come over i already like interviewed her on the phone and she came to the house and then that way eddie you know whatever questions he had he could ask Mm -hmm. and he was very nervous at first and wasn't completely on board i mean he was open you know he's like i'm not saying yes or no you know, he wasn't like, yeah, do whatever you want. This is, you know, like right, whatever right, right. you want to do. This is your birth. You know, he's like, well, yeah. let's 
what are the pros and cons here? Yeah, what if, let's what if examine the bigger picture. Do come up, you know, mm-hmm. how does that get addressed? And what if there's an emergency? Yeah. How quickly are we going to know that? And, you know, are we putting, you know, am I at risk? Is the baby at risk? And what do those numbers look like? Right. What are the percentages of that have? So you get a lot of questions that I honestly wouldn't ask because I'm like, whatever's supposed to happen will happen. And yeah, it's yeah, fine. yeah. And I'm <laughs> yeah. the most amazing birth at home. Yes. Yeah. This is where my baby's supposed to be born. Mm-hmm. It did not happen like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember. I have the candle here still. See, so you had the plan to birth at home. And that plan was coming to fruition. We were rolling up on almost there. Yeah, it it was. So um, I started labor on a Tuesday. My girlfriend was coming in from out of town, and I was picking her up from the train station. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling like, oh, hmm, I guess I guess they were kind of like cramps a little bit, a little crampy. Um, uh-huh. Or a little sharp pains or something. I was like, I wonder if that's a contraction. Because again, like, I don't know what this feels like, right? Yeah. And then I was explaining it to my girlfriend. And she's like, I'm pretty sure that you're going into like pre-labor. And I was like, what does that mean? It could be days before you actually go into labor. But you'll start feeling that sensation or whatever. And it'll start increasing in intensity. And I was like, oh, yeah. I could feel it. It's getting more intense Mm -hmm. and within like three or four hours we're back at my house now and i'm on the exercise ball Mm -hmm. in the front yard yeah and i was like well let's just breathe through this stuff like there's nothing i can really do right until like they start coming on strong Mm -hmm. by 10 o'clock that night i was in full-blown what felt like full-blown labor which feels like what hell okay (laughs) okay i was like oh my god I'm going to die. And then, of course, like, Can now, you compare it to anything you've ever felt before? No. Because, like, <laughs> I've never, like, I've never, I'm trying to think, like, I've never been injured. Because the only thing I could think of is, like, getting hurt. But I don't even, it's consistent, you know? It's like the only thing that she can think of is maybe breaking a bone. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like, <laughs> but I've never broken a bone. So, I'm, I'm sorry, like, even that's nothing compared to this. I would imagine every woman's labor stance is different. Yeah. But mine was going down in a squat and swaying back and forth, moaning it out. My neighbors probably like, what is going on? You know, on you got to do there? what you got to do, man. I was like, well, this is what I wanted. I wanted to do it at home. So, my neighbors are going to hear me birth this baby. Yeah. Oh, so my midwife shows up at like 10 30 i think it is she gets to the house and oh we're in full labor like we're having a baby tonight this is wow. happening she's like by two three o'clock in the morning this baby's gonna be here and she's like let me know when you're ready for me to check you i was like all right well so i labored for like an hour more whatever i think it, you know it's just past maybe midnight and like i was like all right let's see where i'm at one centimeter when you're having the baby, like when you start pushing, you're at 10 centimeters. I'm okay. at one centimeter. You're considered in full labor between five and six centimeters. Oh, shit. She thought I was at seven. She's like, you got to be at least seven centimeters dilated at this point mm-hmm. or more. I'm at one. Oh, my God. And like, I could kind of tell like on her face that she was a little concerned. What your body is doing should match what the dilation is showing me. And yes. it's not. This is not good. Not necessarily something to be concerned about, but they're not matching. And she's like, well, we're not in a dangerous zone. You know, like she's so she's checking the baby's heart rate and she's like, mm-hmm. we're fine. You're fine. And she's like, so it's really up to you. You know, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, well, let's hopefully let's keep going, you know, see where we're at in a couple hours. So we checked again, probably like three or four hours later. So like every three or four hours, she's checking me. 
still at one centimeter. Uh, and at one point, she's like, okay, like, I'm a little bit concerned. My suggestion would be, let's have you go to the hospital. Let's just have them check you out, make sure everything's okay. Let's see if they can admit you. She's like, unfortunately, like, you might need Pitocin to help you get this party started, which I was not about because Pitocin's a drug and the baby feels it and gets it. And I, I didn't want that for him. But I also have to keep in mind that she's a professional, has had many births under her wing and she wants me to be safe. So yeah. we went to the hospital and they sent me home because <laughs> wow. I was only one centimeter. So I was in prodromal labor, which is basically like pre-labor for four days where the hospital won't even admit me because I'm not seeing an OB. I, I have a midwife, so I'm not in care like by a doctor that is under their hospital. So they wow. won't even admit me. Like, unfortunately, you'll have to go home and continue to labor at home until you get to three to four centimeters. So I went home, labored for another 24 hours, went back to the hospital, and they were going to discharge me. And right before they were going to discharge me, my my water broke. So now that they were able to admit me because my water broke. So I labored at the hospital for another 24 hours. Oh, my God. I broke out in um, a fever. which is a sign of an infection. And that's when we had to schedule a C-section. I guess people would say I was in labor from when I I hit like five centimeters because that's considered active labor. Yeah, no. You're in active labor once that first contraction hits because it all hurts. It was like 90-something hours from my first contraction or something like that. That was crazy. That sounds like a lot. How did you feel throughout that process? Did you feel scared? Did you feel overwhelmed? I think, again, it was probably that, like, me wanting to control a situation. And I was so focused on showing everybody, including myself, that I was going to have this baby at home. Mm -hmm. I mean, that meant a lot to you, I could tell. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if there was, like, I was creating my own resistance there because I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the one that does it. And then I'm going to talk about it. And then, you know, like, other women are going to know that it can be done. You know, I'm like, maybe I just wasn't supposed to do that. What advice do you have for women who are saying to themselves that they're too old to have babies? Um, I don't think there's any such thing. The first thing is, you know, be honest with yourself. Are you in a healthy place emotionally, spiritually, physically, and ready still to have a baby? Is it still a desire of your heart? Then I think do it. The biggest opinion, the most important opinion is the one that you have on your life. So if it's something that you're going to continue to wonder, what if, then do it. If it's a strong desire you have, why not? And would you still recommend that women do it alone? You know, because you had a, a time in your life where you thought, I, I would be okay with doing this alone because that's how bad I want it. Like, would you still encourage women to do that? If I had to talk to my younger self, I would say, hell no. That doesn't mean that that's the answer for everybody. And if you decide to do that and you're in it, then now you just got to make it happen, right? When life happens, we got to just go with it and we got to figure it out. If you have a family that's like involved, let them be involved. Oh, yes. Like, it really, when people say it takes a tribe, it really does. And like sure. we just don't live in a culture like that anymore. At least not in the U.S. We don't. We mm-hmm. don't live in that tribal culture anymore. If I had that, I would take it. Like, I wish my mom lived on this coast. I think I was raised in a very tribal scenario. My dad is one of 13. My mom is one of five. From what I remember, I was kind of just passed around. 
I feel like it was just more normal when just we grew passed up. around. Everybody just passed me around. And you know what? I became really social and, and it worked out. Because I mean, my mom was a single mom, so she had to allow the help. You know, we were with my grandma a lot of the times. I know like we spent a lot of time with my aunts and it was just more of that type of community growing up maybe because my mom was single or maybe it was just normal in the 80s i don't yeah. i don't know i don't, I don't know, know what either. it was i don't know but i'm down and i've always said that if i had kids i'd be like take them take them take them take them yeah. take them take them so what kind of mom do you think you're gonna be like to an older lucas teenage lucas <laughs> Me and Eddie like tease about certain things like him having a girlfriend and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then like we're getting our yard done. So we're going to have the pool. So we imagine we're going to be the house that the kids are going to hang out at, mm-hmm. you know, better not bring his little girlfriends over here. I want to make sure they are uncomfortable. No. That's so <laughs> funny. I would peg you for that, mom. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a minimalist type of mom. I'm not really into like all the gadgets that they have out there i don't need everything in the house i kind of feel like our world is a playground at least that is the kind of mom i want to be i don't know what kind of mom i'm going to end up being like my house may end up looking like toys r us for all i know yeah but in my head right now i'm like i'm gonna be a minimalist mom like we're gonna be outdoors playing in the world we have because there's so much that he can learn from with nothing or very little because everything's new to him Mm -hmm. so everything's a toy with me saying that we went to his cousin's house a couple weeks ago and I like brought my whole house. Like I was like, maybe we should take the truck. (laughs) (laughs) Like I will not leave without my breastfeeding pillow now. That's like an extra gadget. I could really hold him. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'd like, I have a car breastfeeding pillow just so it's there when I'm in the car and at the stores, Mm -hmm. we went with like a mini little playpen, his Mm -hmm. little seat that he sits in because then otherwise I have to hold him and sit him up because he wants to see everything it's like a bout with a seat on it kind of it's called a tish baby i have an ergo 360 hiking carrier that i use i have another one that he sleeps in like i don't even know how many carriers i bought Mm -hmm. because apparently babies don't like every single carrier you know but you got to do what makes your life easier yeah that's true i'm like i don't even care i'm coming with all this stuff i was like i need it i can't that's why part of it too is like it's a pain in the ass to even go out because i'm like i need everything like i can't leave yeah i have to pack the whole car with all this crap you know you gotta do what you gotta do (laughs) i don't think there's anything wrong with you having said that you'd be a minimalist mom and then taking all your shit with you i think that's that's what you gotta do now that i have him it's guilt or whatever the pressures of society the unspoken rules that are there for a mother breastfeeding is like that too because i'm breastfeeding and moms are like oh it's such a beautiful thing and you're gonna miss it don't give up because in the beginning it was really hard and i was like i don't know if i could do this like three months into it now and i'm still like okay i'm gonna try to make it one more month my first goal was like i'm gonna try to make it to six weeks because i heard it's really good and then when i got there i was like okay i'm gonna try to make it to three months And now I'm about to get there. So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to make it until we start introducing whole foods into his diet. There are small goals that I can meet because I know that breastfeeding is like the best for him. Every day I'm like, I can't do this shit anymore. Yeah. Every day I'm like, okay, this is the last week. Like I'm going to make it to the end of the week and then this is it. Like I'm done. Like this is hard. It hurts. Like why does everything have to hurt? Why can't it just be something that we do and it gets done? Like it, the the mothers that, you know, that whole beautiful thing, that is not the experience that I'm having. Man, when I breastfeed. Like, as much as I believe in it, like, mm-hmm. would I follow through? Right. 
And would I feel guilty about not? See, I think about all this stuff, and I think that after sitting with it and thinking about it for years, I think that's why I made the decision uh, to not have kids because I know myself. My sanity is more important than me breastfeeding. Like if it was creating that much discomfort or anxiety or, you know, depression kind of really, you know, like the mom guilt, if I was thinking of those kind of things. I would probably stop breastfeeding. I can think of my sister now. And she was like, I think you should stop breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Because it was, you know, like I was complaining about it really so much that she's like, it sounds like it's borderline, like depression type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's like, in your sanity, your son needs a happy, healthy mom mm-hmm. more important than breast milk. I agree. And I'm like, that makes sense. But I'm yeah. like, but I can and I'm home and... Like but just because right you can this is my job, you know, yeah. that's what I feel. You know, I guess yeah. that's where that guilt is coming mm-hmm. from because I'm like, this is my job right now. Like I'm yeah. not working. And the only thing that I need to be doing is doing my best at taking care of him every day. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Like you said, just because I'm able to doesn't necessarily mean I should. That's what I'm fighting with myself. I get it. That makes sense. I can relate to that. I mean, not in motherhood, mm-hmm. but like it just in general, I should be doing this because it's the right thing to do in air quotes but it's not necessarily the best thing for me Mm -hmm. or the best thing for you or the best thing for the baby maybe you know like maybe maybe like he feels all of that like i don't want to be doing this (laughs) (laughs) you know i think that's normal i i understand the guilt what i've learned about guilt is it comes a knock in just to like bring up the feelings and the societal pressures that make us feel like we need to feel guilty but it's just another feeling and sometimes we can just kind of witness it and say like i get that this is like society's pressure or how i grew up and that pressure but really there's nothing wrong with me wanting to take time for myself and it's healthy for us to do that if you're not taking time to love yourself no one else is gonna do that for you you can't really fulfill that with anybody else's love you said you wanted to talk about instagram versus reality now is this in regards to how moms portray motherhood on instagram like this joy and they're cute and they just sit in a high chair and like eat little. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I hope by now everybody knows that Instagram is the highlight reel. But I just posted something like right before I came over here because I was reading a book to the baby. So I was talking to my girlfriend and having that conversation about all kinds of things. And she and somehow like a book challenge came up and she's like, oh, you should start reading to the baby. Like somebody that she knows does it. And a thousand books before the baby goes to kindergarten, I think. I'm mm-hmm. like, dang, that's a lot of reading. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's like a book a day. Let me do something more realistic and do like one book a week for now because I'm not reading to him at all, really. So I was like, well, we're waiting for Eddie to come home. Let me just go read him a book. I posted a photo of the two of us, you know, like reading the book. And then right after that, I'm like feeding him and like totally wanting to cry because I'm like, I'm so exhausted from today. Like, when is Eddie going to come home? Yeah. Like you can go from like night and day in like the span of five minutes yeah well, <laughs> yeah yeah the- but everybody sees me like oh so cute she's like reading a book to her son like you of know course. and then two minutes later they don't know i'm like where is his father <laughs> you know i don't think that your instagram is fake at all though i would consider you probably the least fake instagram that i follow 
Because you do keep it real. And even though you didn't put that on Instagram, I think that anybody who follows you and consistently follows you knows that you struggle a little bit with the baby. And I don't think that it's portrayed on your behalf as like insensitive or like you're not being a good mom. I think you're just being honest and it's refreshing. Honesty is so refreshing to people. They appreciate that somebody else is struggling and thus makes it okay for people to struggle. Mm -hmm. We're trying to like show the world that we're okay, you know, but it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. I would actually show more of that. I think the world can't take it a little bit, even like, you know, like my circle, because then everyone kind of starts reaching out like, are you okay? Do you need Uh, anything? You know? And it's like, I don't want even about, yeah, it's like, (laughs) honestly, I don't want that. It's not, if if I needed something, I I would reach out. It's more that I want to keep it authentic. Too much of that is, I think, too much for the world. <laughs> you put something on Instagram that seems like your life is happy-go-lucky, yeah, and then moments like later, a great day. And it's not that I'm not having a great day, but all days not necessarily a great day. Yeah. You know? Right now, I'm just consumed, obviously, with baby and mom mode and all that stuff. Okay, you said sleep deprivation. Oh yes. I guess I was not shocked by, but that I guess kind of slapped me in the face when reality hit of what mom life was really like compared to, I guess, what I thought it was going to be like before the baby was actually here. Because everybody says like, oh, and we're nappers. Eddie and I like, love to nap. They're like, well, get those naps in now because now baby comes. You're not <laughs> sleeping no more. And yeah. I'm like thinking like, okay, I get it. Like the baby's going to take a lot of us, but of course we're going to sleep. Fuck no. You don't sleep anymore. And if you're breastfeeding, like, I feel like everything surrounding like that kind of stuff, you're not sleeping. And it's not the same kind of sleep. Every two to three hours they're sleeping, but that means like they're up every two to three hours. And then within that time frame, depending on how they're breastfeeding, they're feeding at least 10 minutes on each boob, if not longer. And then obviously when they're going down now, you're not immediately like, okay, they're down and now I'm sleeping. No, it's going to take you, depending on how tired you are, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to actually fall asleep. Yes. So you get maybe, if you're lucky, 45 minutes, an hour of sleep, and that baby's back up to feed again. I called my midwife. I just need sleep, especially in the very beginning. You know, I was like, I can't do this. Like, this breastfeeding thing is not going to work. Going nuts. I was crying. You know, like, you're so tired. It's like a fussy baby, you know, like having a tantrum. Like, you're just so tired. You're, like, throwing tantrums. That's what Mm -hmm. I felt like. I was like, what if I keep the baby up? Like, the baby's going down, but I, like, entertain them or try to keep them up. Like, will they sleep longer at night? And she's like, no, the opposite's going to happen. You're going to have a fussy baby during the day and then overstimulate it and not be able to get them down at night. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, I don't even want to take that chance. He sleeps through the night now. Oh, nice. So very rarely will I stay out past 8 o'clock. His window of going down to sleep for his long sleep is between 7 and, like, 9. And once he goes down, he'll sleep between 6 and 9 hours, depending on the day. Very rarely will I be out after those hours. Oh, no. I need some sleep. Yeah, for sure. I can't live without sleep. And there have been times where I don't get sleep. And I am not my best self. Yeah. And some people can. Like, Eddie, honestly, is really good. He could have three, four hours of sleep if they're straight, solid ones. And he's good. I need seven, at Mm -hmm. least. Seven to nine hours of sleep. Yeah. 
I usually get about five hours and then six hours, something like that, and then I'll have to get up and, and pump. So I, I couldn't sleep for nine hours even if I, like, had help or, you know, like, had extra milk or anything because I'm breastfeeding, and when you're breastfeeding, you can't do that. So now that you have the baby, life is changed forevermore. Forever. Talk about your routine before the baby. I would wake up probably between six and seven. I would start my day with a morning workout, either like a jog or uh, a hike or like a two mile, three mile walk, like a loop walk that I do. Then I would come home and I would make um, breakfast, jump in the shower. And that happens sometimes now, not all the time, because now like depending on when the sun comes out, how hot it is outside can the baby take that? Do I want him out in that heat? Or I got to strap him in the stroller. I've got to get the, the diaper bag ready, you know, like, because he may have a blowout even, you know, on our two-mile walk. And he's going to mm-hmm. be fussy. I have to have a bottle ready because I'm more than likely not going to breastfeed him on while I'm working out. So now I have yeah. to make sure that I have a bottle available. The other day I went out. I think Eddie got home and I was sitting on the couch. And I was like, I don't think I brushed my teeth today. <laughs> I was like, now that I'm sitting here, think about it. I don't think that happened. <laughs> it just, it didn't fit in. And I left the house. Like, I went to the store. I went out, and I did not brush my teeth. <laughs> Do you think that's part of it? You think that's part of why you feel so, like, frustrated is because you're out of your routine? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been trying to incorporate a routine back because I think that's going to bring me comfort, especially with working out in the morning. I started incorporating working out back into my life, but I haven't been consistent. So I think until it becomes consistent, either with or without him, my I'm probably going to feel like off balance. Yeah. It's hard when you get in the habit of something and then it goes away. I, um, this has nothing to do with babies, obviously, but I was really into running. Like running, I found running in my 20s. Oh my God. Like I need to do this for the rest of my life. And then I did a 10K and then I did a half marathon and I met Ralph who had done like, I think he's done nine marathons. Wow. But he was like, do a marathon with me. That's a lot. That seems like a lot. And he's like, no, do it. Like, you can do it. If you can do a half, you can do a full. And we did the Pasadena half. And at the nine-mile mark, I'm, like, coming up almost on the Rose Bowl. And my foot just gives out. Just stops working. Couldn't put it down. And I was like, you know, I'm used to, like, as a runner, like, I was used to certain pain. I can't even limp on this thing. What? I cannot put it down. I was stuck and I couldn't move. I had plantar fasciitis. Oh my God. I stopped running. I had to. I I wasn't well for the longest time. And then like I tried to get back out there and the pain would kind of resurface. Yeah. And it's one of those scary pains where it's like you don't push that. Yeah. Because then you can't walk. Be scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's now been almost three years since that happened. Running is no longer a part of my life. And it's depressing as shit because it was like a a love of mine yeah i'm having to tell myself you have to learn how to do something else and it's hard because i don't want to and so i'm learning to like stretch and like i'm i'm doing things to build up the muscle to be able to get out there again because i'm not giving up on running the adjustment is difficult and i hate it 
Mm, so it's not a baby, but it's an obstacle in yeah. the way of something that I love doing. And so I relate to you like wanting to go out and do that thing that makes you feel good and not being able to and having that be like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I know. And the other thing, too, it's not a big deal. An hour. Yeah. A day. Yeah. In the morning. And it's just like you said, it's just an obstacle that I just need to kind of keep pursuing until it becomes regular again mm-hmm. and routine. Yeah. You've talked about mom guilt quite a bit. I think it just comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of like consistent all the time, always there. Obviously, I'm always leaving the baby with Eddie. If I, I want to go to the store, you know, and I'm just like, okay, well, he's home now and I just fed him and he's down for the nap and... Mm-hmm. I'll probably be out at least an hour or two or something like that. But the whole time I'm thinking, like, I should be home. Yeah. Or I should have brought the baby with me. Like, he probably probably wants, you know, like, to relax a little bit, too. You know, of course he wants to relax a little bit, too. Like, coming home from work or even on the weekends, you know. It's like the the theme of um, my experience as being a mom right now is just, like, this shit is hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But to quote you... Well, not exactly, because I don't remember the exact words that you used. You posted something about how you went on a walk and you took Gordy with you. And you're like, I feel bad because like I wanted to come out here for me. And here I am like juggling the world. Why did I do this? Why didn't I just do the thing for myself? So I feel like if you did take the baby, you would have said, I wish I had done this by myself. (laughs) <laughs> so, like, no matter what you do, you're not going to be, like, quite satisfied with your so decision. Terrible. Because if you took the baby, you'd be thinking, I wish I'd left the baby at home. Then you leave the baby at home and you are there thinking, so I should have brought the baby. Yes, <laughs> you do need a vacation. So when are you ready to babysit the bean? <sighs> you know, I don't trust myself with it. You trust me with it? I'm like, you won't be alone. Ralph will be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that a consolation like, to you <laughs> you're funny you think that ralph's gonna step in i don't know i mean i don't know how i would do i mean if you really needed me to i would but i'd be nervous about it you know like that's a lot of responsibility the fact that you trust me is wonderful but you'd have to probably like do a training session with me on what to do because i wouldn't know we we've taken care of Ralph's like nieces and nephews, but they're all they're not babies. I think Ralph would be a helpful dad. I know he would be. I know that he's like the, the kind of guy who would step in and actively like oh, do yeah, all I the see things. That too, for sure. He's amazing with plants. Like are all those all his little cuttings in there that are propagating? Yes, yes, thank you. That's the word. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he's incredible and. There's stuff that was supposed to be my, my responsibility, which has now shifted into his. Because I just, I was like, oops. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on here and keeping it real. Because it's also like the podcast is a research project. What are the people in my circle going through? What is like going on and what's the truth of it? Oh, that's kind of cool. It is cool. Yeah, it is very cool. cool. This is my favorite thing to do currently is to sit here and record podcasts with people. I'm not a mom and I probably never will be. My guess is that all the women who have told you 
you know, their personal mom experience, it's because they probably went through what you're going through now and then reflected on it and saw it as something different. I think right now you're in the thick of it. You're in the trenches. You're at war (laughs) with yourself a little bit and with this new experience you're adjusting. It's a new job. You know, you don't have a manual. So you're like doing everything that's within your toolbox. Yeah. I think it's normal for you in a year to look back on this time now and think, I actually really did enjoy that. Or it was nice to breastfeed him and it was kind of a bonding experience. And I I think especially like as moms get older with their kids, like they cling to the times when their kids really needed them. Oh, I could see that. I can see my perspective changing later and being like, pieces of this obviously that I'm like okay it was rough but I do miss him being so little but you're right I'm in the trenches now and I'm like fuck this shit yes (laughs) (laughs) which you know I really think it's fine I don't judge you at all for it I would probably feel the same way I'd probably also feel just as guilty as you feel for like feeling that way for wanting to take time for yourself And so I think right now, like, you're making this adjustment and you're having to make a lot of sacrifices. And who wants, who wants to do that? (laughs) I don't know. Apparently I wanted to do it because I chose. Yeah. I mean, but what I'm saying is, like, you don't want to make sacrifices forever. Yeah. And you know what? Momhood. I don't know. Is that what you would call it? I think so. If you know, you know. Mm -hmm. And until you know. You don't know shit. People could have told me everything that I'm going through right now. And I would have been like, that ain't going to be my story. Yeah. Like, I got this. Yeah. I'm so ready to be a mom. This Uh baby doesn't even know how lucky he is. And then you got served a big old (laughs) slice of humble pie. (laughs) Yes, I did. What would you tell me? What would you tell me as someone who doesn't want to have kids? Oh, as someone that doesn't want to have kids. Yeah, like, what would you tell me? Would you try and convince me that I should? Or would you say, like... No. No, absolutely not. I would tell you to, like, own your life and love it. I feel like a lot of people want me to have kids. Um, My mom doesn't really push anymore. No, it doesn't sound like you even question it at all. I don't question it. Yeah, I had this moment where like I thought about motherhood and I was like, I could do that. You know, like I could step in at that stage and be okay. Yeah. And But we're both, I think, also of the mentality that if it were to happen, we would just roll with it. I see it as like if it were to happen, then I know it's part of my path. Yeah. I'm not anywhere near trying to make it happen. Right, 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 right. No. So you'd say I should just stick to my guns and just not do it. I say I wouldn't be, I'm not one that would try to convince anybody like, oh no, you guys should totally have babies because yeah. that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. No, because I do not think everybody should have children. Thank you so much for being here, Jessica. This has been an honor. It's so nice to get to talk to a mom and to hear your firsthand experience in a very real way. And I will say that my favorite thing about you, hands down, is how you keep it one hundred all <laughs> the time. Well, it was fun talking to you. Yeah. We'll have to do it again. Yes. Maybe on a different subject. Who knows? We will. It, yeah, we change topics up all the time. On relationships, maybe. I love talking about that stuff. Yes. Podcast <laughs> out.
Podcast.